0: 17 on down through about verse 32 or so, uh, as we continue walking through this uh, gospel to us uh, uh, that Luke gives to us that shows us what it means to to walk with God. As we do that and as we get into Luke chapter 5 and towards the end of it, I was thinking this week about um, whenever I was younger, and I may have shared with you before, but I enjoyed mudding. As a young person, any of you young guys really enjoy mudding, getting stuff dirty, you know, seeing if you can get your dad's uh, truck stuck. Uh, But anyway, um, I I remember one particular instance, me and some buddies, we were riding on uh, power lines, and so we were looking for different uh, places uh, that were extremely muddy. The bigger the mud hole, the better, right? And so we found one that was a really good one. We were riding four-wheelers at the time, and we come up, and man, this is a good one. Everybody kind of goes around it. I'm like, I'm going to go through it. I did and I didn't actually go through it. I went in it and I stuck because there's a lot bigger mud hole than I realized. No big deal on a four-wheeler. Just get off and pull her out. Problem is, is, this type of mud is not normal mud. It's the type of mud that if you stick your foot in and you pull it out, You may or may not come back with a shoe. I mean, it's just real sticky and gumbo type mud. And so me and a buddy of mine, we had been uh, working out. We felt like we were pretty strong. And so we go to grab hold of this foiler and pull it out and nothing happens. It's just stuck in the mud, right? Thankfully, everybody kind of keeps going except for my brother. My brother stops and he's like, you guys need help. "Uh, Yeah. My brother kind of shoves us out of the way and just kind of picks it up and sets it over there. And it was a pretty embarrassing moment for me, to be honest, because two of us had not been able to budget, but my brother, he just, he just grabs it and sets it to the side like it was no big deal. Like, he didn't even grunt. Like you could at least make it look like it was hard for you, Jace. You don't have to, you know, just rub it in how weak we are. But, but as I was thinking about uh, these guys we're going to read about this morning and about how stuck I was then, I couldn't help but think about how stuck these two men are that we're going to talk about this morning, this man who was paralyzed and this tax collector that we're going to talk about. Two men who were stuck in life and couldn't do anything about it until they ran into Jesus. Jesus comes into their life and he calls them to rise up and walk. And so this morning in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, we see what it means to rise up and walk not in our power, but in the power of Christ. And so Luke 5, beginning in verse 17. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are good. God, I thank you that as we open up your word, uh, you teach us your truth. And God, I pray that that's what would take place in this place today. God, that we would hear from you. Speak to us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, as we look at this passage, we give you a little bit of background about what's going on jesus has been teaching and as he teaches and as he heals people are beginning beginning to be drawn to him they're beginning to have a pretty good-sized crowd around jesus wherever he goes and so at one point he's sitting in a house and as he sits in this house there's so many people you can't get in so people can't get in to hear from jesus they can't get in to hear what he's saying well there's a group of men who have a buddy who's paralyzed and they say jesus is the guy who can heal him But they look and there's no way to get into Jesus. And so they say, well, we won't go through the crowd. We'll go around the crowd and over the crowd. And so they go around and they climb up the side of the house or wherever and they get on top of the roof and they begin to dig through the roof. They dig through the roof as Jesus is teaching, mind you. Uh, And then after they get a hole in the roof, they begin to lower Jesus down or lower this man down, this paralyzed man down until he's laying right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine that this morning if, like, dirt started falling on your head and then all of a sudden there's this guy that just appears in the middle of the sanctuary that's, like, lowered down from the ceiling? That'd be pretty cool, right? Y'all would probably never forget this morning. But that's exactly what takes place. Jesus is just teaching. He, I mean, you've got to be impressed with his teaching. He's teaching and there are people digging through the roof and he doesn't even lose a beat. Like, he just keeps on going. Well, this guy is laying there in front of him. And we come to verse 20, Luke chapter 5, verse 20. And he looks at this man. And when he saw their faith, his friend's faith, this man's faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. The guilt that you have, the shame that you have, it's gone. I'm taking away your sins. I'm forgiving you of your sins. Not you're healed. He says, you're forgiven. Which is extremely surprising to everyone sitting there. Look at verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so we learn uh, from the other Gospels that they're questioning within their hearts, like they're not saying this out loud. They're thinking, who is this that can forgive sins? Who is saying that He forgives sins? Who is this that is blaspheming God? One of the the greatest crimes that you could commit in this culture. In fact, it's the crime that they claim Jesus committed and what they use to kill him with and so they say who can forgive sins but god alone and they're right only god can forgive sins but they're wrong jesus is god look at verse 22 when jesus perceived their thoughts he answered them why do you question in your hearts we're talking about this wednesday night about how terrifying it is the fact that jesus can actually see in your heart like he knows what you're thinking this morning He knows whether or not you're listening and paying attention. You may be staring at me thinking about the ball game, but He knows. I may not, but He does. He knows whether or not you're listening. He knows what you're thinking. And so it says that He hears their thoughts. He knows what they're thinking. Verse 23, He says to them, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So they're thinking, who is this guy? And the whole time Jesus is listening to their conversation within their heads. And he says, why are you questioning whether or not I have the right to forgive sins? He says, let me ask you guys a question. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? Which is easier to do, to produce words or actual transformation and change in someone's life? He says, you guys want proof? You want proof of who I am? He says, so that you understand that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. It's interesting, this word Son of Man is how Jesus describes himself most of the time. Something like 80-something times he refers to himself as the Son of Man. Uh, m- most scholars feel like he's pointing back to Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days, God who sends, his, uh, sends someone to go and to judge the earth, who all the earth is in his hands to judge and to... Forgive sins and to not forgive sins, and so Jesus at this moment is not saying, uh, you know, don't forget about or don't worry about little old me. What he is saying is, is, do you guys know who you're talking to? Do you not understand that I have all authority? Do you not understand I have the right to say your sins are forgiven me? Well, just in case we're fuzzy on it, I say to this man, rise and walk. Look at verse 25, and immediately. He rose up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home before, Home, glorifying God. Verse 26 says, And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. We have seen things we cannot explain. We have seen power that we cannot understand or control. This man has real authority. This Jesus has real authority. And so Jesus says, you don't believe me? I'll cause this man to get up and walk out of here. And that's exactly what he does. Because he has the authority to not just forgive sins, but actually cause this man to walk. Which even greater thing is to forgive sins, right? And so Luke is teaching us something here. He's teaching us that Jesus' authority to forgive sins comes from the fact that he is actually God. And to make this point clear, we come to verse 27. And this is really where uh, I want us to see this this point that God is trying to make to us through Luke's gospel in verse 27 and after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him and so for Jesus to walk up and to say to Levi come follow me is for him to say to Levi you come and be a disciple of mine you come and literally follow me wherever I go you go which is a, a big deal. Basically, how teachers taught in that day is that they would collect a, a group of people to follow them around. And wherever they went, the people went. And as they went, the teacher would turn around and they would teach them things. And they would learn things as they go. And the teacher typically you know, would stop and say, hey, guys, do you understand this? Do you understand that? Uh, interesting thing about people who follow you, they don't always pay attention to where you're going. I'm, uh, yesterday, we were at the mall. We had to pick up some stuff for the kids this week. And... Um, Anyway, I guess it was my job to keep up with the kids while Crystal was looking. Me and Josiah went on down the mall. A little bit later, I get told that I lost Zoe. Who knew, right? Crystal knew because she went back to Zoe. I mean, went back to her mama, so you probably don't want to leave me with your kids, right? Because I'm not real good at keeping up with them. And I told her that Hey, she said, Dad, you lost me. I was like, Nuh-uh, you lost me. I'm the one with the ride, remember. You want to stick with me. And so anyway, when we're following Jesus, remember it's our responsibility to follow him, not for him to keep up with us. But beside the point, if you're following me, you're in trouble. But but there was, so what the whole deal is, is that Jesus is saying to Levi, You follow me. You come and be a part of my life. You go where I go. You learn what I teach. You do what I tell you to do. At first glance, it's not that big of a deal until we think about who Levi is. He's a tax collector. Like what Levi does for a living is he enforces the law in order to make people pay taxes to the Roman government. Under his authority are are soldiers like he's used to telling people what to do. Think about what he has to give up to follow Jesus. He's not a poor person. He's got money. He's got wealth. He's got significant income from his business. He's not used to people telling him what to do. He's not used to serving people. He's used to people serving him. When he walks in, people ask him what, they, what he wants them to do, not the other way around. And so now we have this poor man from Nazareth walking up to this fairly wealthy man and saying, hey, you come and do what I tell you to do. You come and basically join my group and you listen to me from here on. Think about how much Levi has to let go to follow Jesus. Think about the money he has to let go, the power he has to let go, the influence he has to let go. And Levi says, okay. He's leaving a lifestyle that I'm sure he had grown accustomed to, eating whatever he wanted, drinking whatever he wanted, wearing whatever he wanted, going wherever he wanted, driving whatever he wanted. He'd have to give up his membership at the local country club, right? I mean, he's taking a step back in society as far as wealth goes. And it's not like the Romans are going to say, You know, I know you walked away from your tax business, uh, but that's okay, you can come back. No, I mean, this is a one-shot deal, and Levi walks away from it all to follow Jesus. It's interesting that Luke says that he rises up and follows him. When Jesus looks at the paralyzed man laying in front of him, it's the same exact wording. Rise up and, and carry your mat home. Levi rises up out of his life of sin, out of his sinful lifestyle and he follows jesus just like peter and james and john had done you say that's crazy he just walked away from everything to follow him i could never do that but guys that's what he calls us to do he calls us to rise up and walk away from our self-centered dreams our self-centered purposes and follow him he calls us to rise up and walk away from this, this world that says, hey, this is who you should be and this is what you should do and this is where you should go. He calls us to, to rise up and find a new definition of who our master is, who, uh, who our family is, who our per, what our purpose is, and to be like him and to make disciples. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that you, he's calling you to leave your job. In fact, he probably isn't. It doesn't happen very often. But he is calling you to follow him at your job. He is calling you to walk with Him at your job, to go to your job for a different purpose this week, to go to your job with your purpose of glorifying Him instead of just padding your bank account, to go to your job with your purpose of growing uh, the kingdom of God through sharing the gospel as you go. You see, the call that Levi has to leave behind his self-centered attitude and his self-centered life is no different than the call that we have on our life. When we're called to follow Christ, we're called to rise up and follow Him follow Him so that He can make us who He wants us to be, not who we were. So that each decision we make from that point on is not what do I want, but what does God want? Is this decision I'm about to make show that I love God with all that I am or show that I'm actually seeking my own purpose? Is this decision I'm about to make actually show that I love this person as myself or is it show that I love me as myself? And if we face every decision in life with that attitude and with that purpose and with those questions in mind, guess what? We'll be walking with God. We'll be following His purpose for our lives if we simply remember to love God and to love the people around us. But there's a catch. We do uh, rise up and walk with Him according to His power. We do rise up and walk away from our sinful and, and selfish desires. But we don't rise up and walk by ourselves. We actually don't walk alone. Jesus already had some other guys that were following him. We know him by Peter and James and John, and there may have been others at this point. But part of being a follower of Jesus is you went where Jesus went, and as Jesus added disciples to his number, guess what? You walked with the people who Jesus called to walk with him. And so wherever these people that Jesus called went, you went too. And so before you know it, the people that Jesus was bringing to himself were part of your new family. So where they ate, you ate. Where they slept, you slept. That sort of thing. So think about somebody like Peter. Peter's a man who's worked hard all his life to become a fisherman and, and, and most likely a foreman as part of James and John's dad's uh, family business as a, as a fisherman. Here you are. You're crushed by the Romans on every side. You work all day. You catch fish. And before you get home, you've got to stop by the tax collector's booth and give him his share. And not just the Romans' share, but the tax collector's share. Basically, at the end of it, you're paying the soldier's salary that keeps you oppressed and extort money out of you. You finally had the best day fishing ever, more fish than your boats can handle, and you cash them in, but before you get home, you've got to go pay the tax collector. No big deal. Last time I'm doing that, from this day on, I'm following the Savior. He's finally going to set us free and put punks like you in your place, buddy. You who have dis- disobeyed God and you know uh, disowned Israel and, and uh, stabbed us all in the back. So I finally can walk away from you. I don't have to pay you anymore. I don't have to be around you anymore. And then Jesus walks by the table of Levi, the tax collector, and says, hey, I want you to be a part of our group. I'm going to invite you to be a part of our group, just like I invited Peter and James and John, guys that most likely had been paying Levi the majority of their lives. Yeah, y'all get to be family now. Say hello to your new brother. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? But that's what it means to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. To be a part of a group of people that's not a bunch of clean, uh, uh, nice people, but to be a part of a group of folks who are passionate (laughs) sinners. People who don't uh, always agree and almost never agree, right? I mean, people from every walk of life. You think about who these people are that Jesus assembles. He assembles tax collectors and He assembles assembles, uh, fishermen. He assembles zealots. And this group of guys is going to walk with Him. And where He eats, they're going to eat. Where He sleeps, they're going to sleep. And they're going to basically be family. That's what it means to be a part of the followers of Christ walk with Jesus amongst a group of people that are so different from each other. People who come from every background imaginable, every educational background imaginable, every financial background imaginable, every level of sin, both present, past, and future imaginable. Different families, different uh, hurts. You think about folks who have hurt you and wounded you deeply, and he says, hey, you come walk with them as if they're they're your brother or your sister in Christ. This is who Jesus assembles to follow him. we rise up and we walk together, not in our own power and not after our own purpose, but with his people. And then we see this morning, as we look at this last section, verse 29, that we walk with him towards sinners. Verse 29 says, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him, with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And so, Levi leaves his selfish desires behind. He's no longer Levi the tax collector. He's Levi the fisher of men. And so what does he do with his wealth? He throws a huge party. And he invites all of his tax collector and sinful, sinful friends and says, hey, come meet the man who changed my life. Come meet the man who gave me a new purpose and a new lease on life. Come meet him and fellowship together with us. We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know him. I want you to get to know who he is. And so this group of people come in, and it says that Jesus is reclining at table. Jesus is accepting them. He is spending time with them. He is speaking to these people that everyone else in the in the local group in the local community would have looked down on and saw as unclean and as unfit to spend time with. Yet here Jesus is hanging out with them openly. And so they it's a totally different atmosphere than the other group, the religious leaders that gather from all over Jerusalem together to decide whether or not Jesus is worthy to be followed, whether or not Jesus is worthy to be listened to. That's who the Pharisees are. They've gathered to pass judgment on Jesus. These tax collectors gather to hear of Jesus. And so they, they gather and they listen to Christ. And as they listen to Christ, they're being changed by His words. This is a huge no-no in Jesus' world. The religious folks do not like it. And so they ask the question. uh, They say, why does your master, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing this? What's his goal? What's his purpose? Doesn't he know who these people are? Doesn't he know what they have done? But Jesus, he really doesn't care what they think. Look at verse 31. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Jesus says, listen, guys, I really don't care what you think about me. I really don't care what you think about the people I eat with. That's really not my purpose. I did not come to make you all happy. I came for the single purpose of preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Not to impress anyone. Uh, with my social prowess but to simply share the gospel and he says the only way i can share the gospel is if i'm around people who actually want to hear the gospel around people who are aware of their need of the gospel he says think about it who goes to a doctor people who are well or people who are sick nowadays you know we go for well checkups or whatever but then apparently they only went when they were sick imagine that but anyway so they go and they and they and he says why would you go to a doctor if you don't need a doctor He says, I I don't come to heal the people who don't need a doctor. I come to heal the people who do. He says, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. I came to not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I didn't come to call the people with their, their nose a thousand feet up in the air, claiming to be unneeding of my grace, of unneeding of my forgiveness. I came to call the people who actually need grace, who actually need forgiveness. Jesus, and what he's saying here, he's not saying that some people are righteous and some people aren't. What he's saying is that some people realize they're sinners and some people don't. He's not saying there's good people and bad people. He's saying there's bad people and those people who don't know they're bad. There are people who think they're good enough apart from him. And he says, I got nothing for you. I can do nothing for you until you understand how badly you need me. Until you understand you need grace. See, the problem is, guys, if you're here this morning and you think you're good enough apart from Christ, the truth is, is that the bullseye that God calls us to aim at You're so far from it. You're not even on the same target. You can't even get close to what God has called you to. And and so, uh, you need someone to stand in your place. You need someone to stand in the gap. You need someone to offer you forgiveness. That only person who can do that is Jesus. The only one who can offer you forgiveness is the Son of Man. And so, do you realize this morning that you are a sinner in need of grace? If not... Do you search your heart and ask yourself, why? Why do you think you're so good? Have you ever compared yourself to God? And then as you follow Christ, for those of you who do follow Christ, do you realize that what Christ calls us to do is walk with Him towards sinners, not away? Now, it doesn't mean that we, you know, we join in the sinfulness, but we do walk towards people. We don't separate ourselves from people. We enjoy being around people. We enjoy being around people so that we can share the gospel. I, I wonder how many of you this morning think you're holier than Jesus. Jesus Jesus goes and he spends time with the sinners, with the people who everybody else looks down on and they call Jesus a sinner for spending time with them. Are you so holy you can't be like Jesus? Walk with Christ towards those who need the gospel. How can you share the gospel with those who you never talk to? Why is it that we spend most of our time talking to other believers? Why do we not spend more time talking with those who actually need it? And so Jesus changes the way that we walk so much so that we begin to walk towards those who we would normally not spend time with. People who are different than us. Maybe not necessarily sinful, just different. Spend time with them. Get to know them. You may find out you're not as different as you thought you were. The awesome thing about being a part of the body of Christ is he calls together people of all shapes, sizes, uh, nationalities. It doesn't matter. He calls us all together for the same purpose of following him. He is the central theme of our lives. And so we are called to go out and share the gospel wherever we are. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are and where you are. If you're at a ball game, that's a perfect place to share the gospel. That's a perfect place to share the love of Christ. Just like Levi does here, he goes from being a tax collector to being a fisher of men in a matter of a day because he understands that these other people need Jesus. They, he understands these people need Christ just like he needed Christ. You say I would, but man, I'm too sinful. I'll make Jesus look bad. Y'all gonna make Jesus look bad? I promise you got to remember that the only perfect one is Jesus, not you. you also got to remember that the only people who are truly judgmental are typically religious people. Folks who are aware of their sinfulness and aware of their guilt and their shame, they're going to appreciate you being open and honest with them and sharing the gospel with them. Why be embarrassed of the one who saved you? Why be embarrassed of the one who redeemed you? Why be embarrassed of the one who called you and made you new, who gave you the strength to rise up and walk again? to rise up and walk over the stuff that you feel like you're trapped in. Guys, the the truth is this morning that if we are stuck, the only way we're getting out of being stuck is to walk with Him. The truth is this morning, if we're not stuck, the only reason we're not stuck is because of Him. You may every single week get up and think, man, this week is the week I'm going to be different. This week is the week I'm going to do a better job. This week is the week I'm going to finally stop doing that. And then every single week you fail. You're like, I'm tired of being stuck. Meet the one who can finally set you free. Meet the one who can finally say, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk in my power, not in your own. Rise up and walk with my people for my purpose towards where I want you to go. Stop walking for yourself and start walking for him. Maybe this morning you feel like you're not good enough to to come to Christ and the truth is is no one is. But that's kind of the point. If we were so good, Jesus would not have come to begin with. You see, the Son of God comes... To offer forgiveness to those who are sinners. Every single one of us. He comes and, and he gives up his life. He goes to the cross on our behalf so that he can offer forgiveness for us. And so that we can share that forgiveness with the people in our lives. He went and he died and he paid our penalty so that we wouldn't have to. So that he can offer freedom and grace. So that he can offer strength for the stuff that you are facing this morning. For the stuff you say, there's no way I can quit this. There's no way I can stop this. He says, yes you can. Depend on me. Depend on who I am. Depend on my grace and my strength. Pull from his word. Pull from prayer time with him. Pull from the power of his people as they gather around you and pray for you. Don't leave here this morning stuck. If you're somebody who's been walking with Jesus, but somewhere along the way you got off the trail and you got stuck, you weren't paying attention and he walked off from you, uh, it wasn't him walking off, it was you not paying attention. If that's you, he calls you back to him. He says, my grace is sufficient doesn't matter how much you've sinned. doesn't matter what you've done. My grace is sufficient. Come back to me. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted on Him, you've never begun this walk with Him, why why leave here today stuck? Why leave here in the same rut you came in? Why start tomorrow the same way you started last week? It didn't work last week. Why are you going to try it again this week? Come and and trust on Christ. Come and believe on Him to have Him set you free. If you would stand with us, and as you stand, we're going to sing and As we sing, we're going to have a time of invitation. So if God is working in your heart and in your life, would you come as we sing? Let's pray. Father, I thank you.